welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I am joined by Scott Easton, who has uh, he's been a lot of things in, in his life, an FBI agent, a lay minister, um, a basketball coach, uh, probably a few other things I'm forgetting, but uh, uh, Muhammad resident, he, he's the former St. Thomas More girls basketball coach, and he's about to become the future coach. He will be uh, coaching the Sabres again uh, when the new season starts. So Scott, welcome. Thanks, Fred. Good to see you again, and thanks for having me on. I guess to, to get started, what uh, what got you back into coaching? Uh, well, I really didn't anticipate uh, this most recent opportunity to come along. Uh, John Marston, who is the athletic director at the high school St. Thomas More, he's been the coach the, the last two years, and I have gotten to know him over time through uh, substitute teaching out at uh, the high school St. Thomas More and just my involvement with athletics out there. So he made the decision that he wanted to step down uh, this spring. So he approached me in April and asked if I would be interested in coaching the girls basketball team. Uh, it wasn't an instantaneous decision, but uh, I, after talking with my wife and my family, because uh, they're always very much involved in any coaching endeavor. Um, I made the decision to do it again because it, at my age, I, I feel very healthy. I, I feel uh, very vibrant and active in terms of uh, being able to still do the things that coaching basketball requires. But you don't know how many more chances you're going to get. And, and I did think about that. And uh my main reason is I just, I really enjoy the school out there, uh, the mission of the school, the kids uh, that go there. And also, this is extremely important to me, giving back to a game that I truly love, uh, basketball. Uh, it's kind of my way of giving back to that sport, what it has given to me immeasurably through my life. Uh, I've been able to travel a lot of different places and experience a lot of different things because of basketball. I got my education because of basketball, uh, allowed me to go to where I went to school. So I'm grateful to the sport in many, many ways. As far as coaching, what, what all do you like about it? What, what aspects? I mean, some people say they, they like the practice part, others uh, uh, you know, like the strategy involved in the games. What, what are some of your favorite parts of coaching? My most favorite part is teaching the game. Breaking the game down, uh, teaching a player either how to shoot correctly, dribble correctly, uh, pass correctly, and then doing that uh, in a team format. First, individually, seeing somebody like, say, for instance, they couldn't shoot uh, a left-handed layup. In fact, uh, that happened this summer. I had a young lady when we were able to uh, have practices in June. Uh, all the high schools are allowed to do that in Illinois in June. And I had a young lady who's a freshman came into our program. She could not make a left-handed layup or shoot a left-handed layup correctly to save her life. And uh, I worked with her uh, pretty uh, religiously over a couple of weeks. And by the end of the month, she was making them uh, with great form and, and a lot of confidence. And that really uh, moves me uh, in a significant way when I can see kids uh, develop uh, a skill that they did not have previously 
I really enjoy that. And then taking that to a greater uh, level in terms of having a team uh, embrace uh, a skill like playing team defense uh, in a manner maybe differently than they have before or offense. Uh, just it's really, uh, as a coach, very um, satisfying to see that either in one person or a group. And that is the biggest high I get off of coaching basketball. You know, winning's nice, but that's not the most important thing to me. It's seeing young people develop as human beings and as athletes, and also out there to be able to grow in their faith and to include faith in the teaching of the sport to them. That is really an awesome aspect to being a coach out there. So you alluded to this a little bit earlier about uh, getting your colleagues paid for uh, playing basketball in college. Uh, yeah, you played for a coach that I think a lot of people have heard about. Uh, talk a little bit about your colleague's coach. Yes, uh, I was very blessed to have the opportunity to play for Mike Krzyzewski. A lot of people know him as Coach K. Uh, when uh, he was Army's head coach uh, back from 1976 through 79. So I was in the first recruiting class that he ever recruited as a college head coach. And I didn't know this till I went to a clinic uh, about 15, 20 years after I played for him, but I was the first college recruit that he ever visited in a home uh, as a college head coach. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not the best that he ever had, but uh, to be uh, at the, the start of what uh, he has had just a tremendous uh, run is very, uh, you know, like I said, it's a, been a blessing. He was um, very uh, demanding uh, as a coach, but uh, what you see is what you get with Coach K. Uh, he's very honest, forthright, candid. He will always have your back. He will always require your best. And um, it really took my basketball uh, education and ability to another level because I played for a very good high school coach, but we didn't play a ton of man-to-man -man defense, let alone played in the manner that he wanted us to play. And then motion offense, which he learned from Bobby Knight uh, when he, uh, he played for Knight at Army, I learned all of those things from Coach K while I was at Army. And I've used that offense and the defense that he uh, implemented with us with all the basketball teams that I've coached at a high school level around here. So it's, it's really been, uh, like I said, uh, a blessing to learn from him and then to uh, teach others what I learned and um, just a joy to see them succeed in doing that. So when you first started playing for Coach K, like you say, he was he was a, a very much a, a novice uh, head coach in terms of the, the college game. And now he's the winningest men's college coach of all time in basketball. That, does that, thinking back to the player you were then, would that have surprised you if somebody said, hey, 45, 50 years from now, this guy will have more wins than anybody else in in college basketball history. Would you have thought that was possible or not? Uh, it's certainly possible. It's possible for any human being. Uh, 
I mean, you look at the number of years that he has coached. I mean, he started coaching. Um, so my freshman year, that would have been 75, 76. And here we are, and he'll end in uh, 2022. Uh, that's a long run. I mean, most coaches don't get to coach that long. Um, so what really attracted me to him and why I think it was very much possible for him to achieve the number of wins he has. Uh, I'll never forget what he told me um, when he hired me as an assistant coach at Duke in 1987 and 88. And he said, Scott, the, the people that are successful in this business, they all work hard. So when you think about every college coach uh, they work extremely hard. Uh, that part of it does not change. But he says the guys who really succeed are the ones that work hard in the smartest manner. And I, I never forgot that. And probably the quality, like a lot of people, like how could he you know, do so well at a college level? Then when the Olympic teams dealing with the pros and some of the egos there, how could he get them to play together? I would say his gifts as a coach were this. One, he has the uncanny ability to make players buy into what he is teaching. He makes them uh, buy into their role that they have to fulfill for the team to be successful, putting the team before self. So like in my instance, I was uh, the first uh, player in my high school's history to score over a thousand points. I was very much a shooter in high school. I, I had a, a green light to shoot whenever uh, it was free. When I got to Army and played for him, uh, I had a green light to shoot, but I was the third leading scorer on the team because the other two players uh, were very good shooters in their own right. And essentially I had a green light whenever uh, the defense was king on them. So I would have certain games where I would score over 20 points and other games where I may only have four points. So when I look back on that, uh, it was my ability to understand the role that he wanted me to play on for that given year for that team. And he was able to convey that to all the players on the team and we all bought into it. And uh, he's certainly done that at Duke. I mean, all those uh, recruits that he gets, they're the best players from their school, most of the time from their state and among the best in America. So he's been able to uh, get them to embrace uh, the team concept versus like a me, myself, and I concept. And I'm doing this just to make the pros. He's done a great job of that. The other thing that he does, he puts uh, players in a system that allows them to really use their talents. The two players that come to my mind, and they were great in their own right, were Danny Ferry, who graduated uh, Consensus Player of the Year in 1989, uh, was the overall draft pick in the NBA, uh, was the number one pick, and Christian Leighton. So there you had two very tall players, 6'10", and he was smart enough to utilize them 
on the perimeter as well as in the post area and to go in and out. So it made it very hard for defenses to defend them or if they played in a low post to pack it down on them. And he always had that ability to figure out his talent and to match uh, the system of play offensively to that talent, whether it's pick and roll or, or pure motion. Um, and with us, it was pure motion. I mean, a lot of the teams when I was at Army that we played against were perhaps more talented than us athletically, but we played to better, played together better than they did. And our defense was really tough, which allowed us to win um, a lot of games during his time there. And then at Duke, he's since carried down even further. So I would say those two things, um, just working hard in the smartest way um, and matching his system to the players that he recruited and his players being able to comprehend and carry out what it truly means to put the team before self. And, and he always is very sincere. I mean, um, you know, th this kind of says it all. My brother who played for him uh, passed away from a car accident my senior year at West Point. Uh, and he was killed by a drunk driver during his first assignment in the army over in Germany. And um, at the funeral, well, one, Coach K was the one that told me my brother passed away. And then at the funeral, he walked alongside me behind the hearse carrying my brother's casket and my parents were in the hearse. So when I literally say he, he always had our back, I, I truly mean that and uh, very much there, but uh, would also demand everything that you had to give whenever you were on the court playing for him. So I learned a lot from him and was very blessed to even know him, let alone play for him and coach under him. So when you spent the year uh, as an assistant with him at Duke, at that time, were you thinking about making college coaching something that you wanted to pursue? And, and then what, what happened uh, from that point? So yes, the answer to that is yes. I was uh, going full steam in my army career. I was a captain in the army. I was slated to, to have command of a field artillery battery. And again, life just has a lot of interesting uh, opportunities come up. Uh, in 1986, it would have been, uh, I was at Fort Hood, I was single, and uh, they needed uh, coaches to coach youth basketball teams uh, so that they could have enough teams for the kids like in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade to play. Well, I was a single guy, so I said, oh, I'm not doing anything on Saturdays, and I can probably donate a night or two a week for practice. I'll do that. I ended up doing that and found out that I really liked coaching the game because that was really the first time that I coached after I graduated from Army. And after I got done with that experience, I said, man, that was fun. It wasn't even like going to work. And I, you know, I said to myself, there's people that do very well uh, at a higher level coaching basketball. So I met with Coach K at a clinic and he said, Scott, uh, the best way to get into coaching and to learn to be a coach is to coach. 
And he said, try to see if you can coach the All-Army team, which I did later that uh, basketball season. I, again, that was fortunate because I was at Fort Hood, which is where the All-Army team tries out at and practices and, and is based out of. Um, and then uh, he hired me a year later at Duke. When I got hired at Duke, it was like uh, a quantum leap in physics. I mean, going from really no coaching to the very highest level in college basketball, I was very fortunate. And at that point in time, yes, I had uh, in the back of my mind, I very much wanted to be a college head coach at a division one school, uh, you know, probably within the next four or five years. And I was there a year. I was able to do everything except go on recruiting trips and to go evaluate talent outside of campus. So I learned all of how the operations work behind the scenes uh, in running a program while being on campus. And then the next year I worked for Lefty Drizel, who had just become the head coach at James Madison University. And when I accepted that job, I was able to go on the road and recruit. And it was uh, during that year that I really kind of found out that what I truly loved about coaching, which is why I've done it at uh, various places in central Illinois, is I love to teach the game and um, to take whatever talent is coming through the door and nurture that talent, develop that talent into a cohesive unit and for the players to get better. What I found out I didn't like was the recruiting. There was a lot of things that went on in recruiting uh, that I did not care for. Uh, the sacrifices you have to make, kind of some of the, the games that are played behind the scenes with recruiters and, and middlemen, um, I did not care for. And so that's when I made the decision at the end, and it was a voluntary decision. Coach Drizel was, was kind of shocked, to be honest with you, that I would, because I was on a really good path to become a head coach, uh, because those two guys, getting a recommendation from them to be a head coach at a Division I school would be very powerful. Both of them are in the Hall of Fame. But I just really found that um, I didn't want to uh, do the recruiting that's required to be done at a division one level. And it's 365 days a year. Trust me when I say that. And your family knows that, your wife knows that. She is married to not only you, but your job. And um, so I, I didn't really want that. Plus also, I've always had a strong love to serve my country. I felt that way when I was in the army. And that's what led me later on to become a special agent in the FBI. So really kind of what's happened is I've been able to uh, have the best of both worlds. I've been able to teach and coach kids in a sport I love, uh, you know, in my free time here in Illinois. And I've been able to serve my country uh, through the army and as an FBI agent, as a professional. So I've been very blessed to be able to do that and to have a family and a wife that has allowed me to do that, so. <laughs> That's important too. <laughs> yes, it is very important. Yeah. So. so I'm sure a lot of us have seen those shows on TV, the you know the the crime scene and the uh, FBI type shows and how they're they're portrayed. Uh, 
Do, do you feel like it's realistic what we see in terms of uh, what the, the FBI officers do, or is that uh, just kind of glorified for television? Uh, it's a little bit of both. What I always laugh at, so like if you watch uh, CSI, whether it's Miami or Las Vegas or New York, I'm just picking that as a, um, they always, and they have to do this for television, whenever they run a check or do something, they always come up with an answer. I mean, and it's pretty immediate. In reality, the results of that check may take a week or a month or two. Well, obviously they can't do that you know on tv so everything is kind of instantaneous there and most of the time also on tv when they do those checks they come back positive and a lot of times you might uh have a lot of negative uh checks come back saying it's not the right match before you get the positive but it's almost like they get it on the first time or two but again that's for television but um in other ways uh, it is very accurate the uh, the whole science of uh forensic science and criminology i mean being able now to take uh dna and someone's hair blood um other human um cells that can be collected at a crime site and be able to match it. It's just incredible. And no shows do bring that out and that is done. And, and that is a great thing and allows us to get an exact match to determine a person's uh, guilt, whether or not they committed the crime or not. So it's a, it's a little bit of both, yeah. So uh, I know you're, you're retired now from the FBI and you spent some time as a, a lay minister kind of talk about uh, that avenue as well, because that doesn't necessarily seem like it's something that would be related to, uh, to FBI work. Right. So I've been fortunate uh, to be a lay minister at various uh, churches, uh, initially the United Methodist Church. And uh, I also have been a lay person more recently uh, with uh, the Greek Orthodox Church. Um, I converted to the Orthodox Church in 2014. Um, and my faith has been really important to me in my journey, uh, especially I mentioned earlier that my brother passed away and both my parents passed away in the 1990s. So fortunately my family's been awesome and very supportive, but my faith has helped me carry through uh, just uh, the challenges that a career in law enforcement would bring, uh, and also in coaching, just trying to teach young people how to live their life in a manner that's respectful of others uh, and in a way that uh, encourages them to include God in all their decisions. I think that's largely lost in our secular society society. Uh, we tend to put God on a shelf, and that's wrong, instead of including him in all decisions that we make. And when we do that, we'll make the right decision every time because we're including him, and we'll be blessed through that process. Doesn't mean it'll always be easy, whatever the outcome is. Uh, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but it'll be a righteous decision and the right decision. 
because we included him. When we don't do that, um, we tend uh, to make mistakes, mess things up, get in a hurry, aren't patient enough, and things don't turn out the way we want. And so we get stressed out about it. I mean, you look at our world now, just how stressful things are in, in many ways. And that is where my faith has really, especially during the COVID time period, has allowed me to kind of detach and find peace and uh, just uh, serenity, really, in terms of, you know, world that seems to be kind of chaotic at times just to find peace and solace in, in everyday life and, and doing the things that really are important like spending time with people that you love uh doing something outside uh and getting away from electronics uh like going on a hike with somebody uh just have really uh been rewarding and so that's kind of how my faith and the, my lay ministry has parlayed into uh, doing that with people that I've come into contact with. I have a, a lot of young people because of what I did professionally and also coaching that will come to me for advice about uh, what they should do uh, as a profession or career. And so I really try to guide them in a way that's spirit led um, to make the right decision for them uh, based on what their interests are. Well, we started off uh, talking about coaching. Before I let you go, one more coaching question. Uh, what other sports have you coached besides basketball? Because I know a few years ago you got uh, involved at Urbana Uni High coaching a, a young golfer, Varun Chopra, who's now at the University of Illinois and uh, just had outstanding high school success. Yes, uh, it's ironic that you say that. Uh, about uh, 10 days ago, uh, David Sebestic, the uh, Muhammad Seymour boys golf coach, asked me if I would be an assistant golf coach for him for their boys program. And I'm doing it. In fact, that's why I'm wearing this attire. We had our second day of tryouts. So I'm helping him with golf. I, I didn't see that one coming at all. But I've known David for a number of years. He's a really fine young man, a very good coach and very knowledgeable of golf. So, yeah, golf is the other sport that I always enjoyed it. I had a love for it from my youth uh, through my father. He enjoyed playing the game and encouraged us to play. And so, yes, I had the opportunity to coach Varun and DJ Nelson uh, at Uni High. And they were very good golfers. Uh, for a high school uh, player. And my job there was mainly to stay out of their way and just support them behind the scenes because when I got them, they were already very good golfers. And I just tried to uh, take their game, have them work on things that maybe they wouldn't work on uh, otherwise, but their swing and their ability to strike the ball purely was already there and uh, it was really uh, neat to have the opportunity to coach two young men like them. So I kind of take that experience and now with uh, the Muhammad Seymour boys program, I hope to help those kids develop a similar passion for the game that both of them had. And uh, yeah, again, I didn't expect that to happen, but I've enjoyed it so far. 
All right, we've been talking with Scott Easton today, uh, assistant boys uh, coach, uh, golf coach at Muhammad Seymour, and, and in the winter will be St. Thomas More girls basketball coach. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before we let you go, Scott? No, Fred, except one thing. I do want to just thank you for the coverage that you give uh, people, whether it's sports related or not, but for many years, the sports coverage and your stories were always, the human interest aspect of your stories were always uh, phenomenal. You were able to find those nuggets that people really didn't know about area athletes and bring that to light that really made them human outside the sport they played. And I just wanna thank you for doing that and for the coverage that you uh, provide to this area, uh, giving uh, profiles of people uh, what they do and how that lifts up our society and inspires people to pursue their interests, whether it's sports or a hobby, uh, an, an art, whatever it is, uh, your ability to write about that and to communicate that is second to none. And I just want to thank you for the years of coverage that you've given this area. Uh, I know I'm not alone in, in feeling that way. So thank you for giving your life toward that endeavor. Well, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I have to say, I'm one of the lucky ones that has gotten to do something that uh, I absolutely enjoy. So I, I think that makes a big difference too. But, uh, yes. You said, about, you know, it didn't feel like you were going to a job. And for most days for me, that's the same way as well. Yes, that's, that's very obvious. Yes. All right. So we have been talking you. with you're welcome. We've been talking with Scott Easton today. Uh, thank you for joining, uh, joining I'm Game with Fred Croner.